podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Midweek Fix, your new show on the LFC Day Trippers for, well, midweek, isn't it? Um, the clue is in the name. Uh, with me tonight is Jay Pearson and Mick Moran, both from the Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I do have Joe Wainman uh, from All Leeds TV, who's going to join me. He promised me he will, even though Leeds have just gone out of the League Cup on penalties to Hull City at Ellen Road. Tonight, listen, this show is going to be one of those where it's obviously going to be midweek. We're going to stay away from matches overall we're going to have a look at stuff that's caught our eye um, over the last couple of days in the football world whether that be Liverpool whether it be Premier League or whether it's anything it could be PSG and Marseille killing each other um, on 90 minutes the other night it can be anything at all important though people in, in the comments if you have anything that catches, caught your eye throw it in there okay try to do so when we're coming towards the end of a topic and we might pick up something and we might run with it but tonight um, initially we're going to talk A your first ever game that you've been at live whether that's at Anfield or away from it um, to watch Liverpool and in Joe's case Ellen Rhodes to watch Leeds uh, we're going to talk about Mo Salah and the lack of I suppose praise he gets um, and I don't know, like, it takes a hat-trick against Leeds for people to actually wake up and go, he's really good, isn't he? Um, Gary Neville included. And um, we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about Frank Lampard and Jurgen Klopp and this media-driven rivalry that they're trying to get going as well. Um, lads, you're very welcome. Mick, how are you? Yeah, not so bad, mate, you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, my heart sank a little bit earlier when um, you were struggling to get a person for five-a-side football. But, um, and then you just told me that it went from bad to worse. Um, so f- I really feel for you. But listen, there's always next week, pal, on the Astro. There's always next week. Uh, Jay, how are you? First time on the oh. show. Mate, all good, mate. Happy to be here. Good, Excited. good. Good. Um, I was talking to Jay before Mick uh, joined us and I was telling them about um, their... Well, I wasn't telling them about it because they know all about it. It's their magazine that they brought out, um, the season 1920 review. It's absolutely fantastic. They sent us a copy. We gave it away last Friday night. Um, I was a little bit reluctant to, I'm being honest, I told Jay that. Um, but listen, there is talk of um, maybe releasing it at some stage. In the future, we don't know whether that's near or far into the future. So um, if it does happen, please go and get it because it's outstanding work from the lads. Absolutely outstanding. And I wanted to say that before we got going. Right, lads, we'll start with your first game. And this comes up on podcasts quite a lot. And it's actually a good way for people to introduce themselves as, you know, Jay's first time on this show. I think Mick's second or third time. But people go, oh, who is Mick? Who is Jay? You know, what about where did when did he force go? So it's a good thing to start. So Jay, your first game watching Liverpool live. So for me, it was like uh, like it was a bit like London buses. They, I hadn't been. Uh, I was born in eighty five, and the first time I ever went in the game was nineteen ninety eight. Waited for so long to go, and ended up going twice within a week, which was an incredible feeling. So yeah, first game was uh, Valencia 
uh, in the UEFA Cup at Anfield, uh, and it was a diabolical nil-nil, nil-nil draw. It was such a poor game. Um, it was very weird as well because we're actually playing our away kit as well at home, which again worked that out. It's a, it was a very strange and uni- unique game. Um, and then the following week, it uh, was uh, was uh, a three-one win against Fulham in the, in the League Cup. Okay, so uh, are we talking? Are we talking late nineties here? Nineteen ninety eight, yeah, October twentieth, yeah. uh, nineteen ninety eight, for the first one, and then the twenty seventh of October, ninety eight, which was ultimately my thirteenth uh, birthday. The Valencia one is that the one where um, I think we win away to go through late on. Oh, no, yeah. we draw. Yeah, it's Ber- I think Berger gets one. Um, playing at home at that time in the in Europe, I think that might have been a thing around that time. If you had to change shorts, the home team changed. I think that might have been a thing. People, listen, this chat will be able to tell you. Trust me. Um, if <laughs> yeah, there absolutely. was it, was it a thing in nineteen ninety eight where the home team had to play under away jersey? But there shouldn't have been a clash. Valencia have Belen- well, they, Valencia. They played in orange. They played in orange that night as well. It was weird. I just I couldn't believe it. I thought the first time in Anfield, we're not playing our red kit. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I was just buzzing. Sat in the Anfield Road ending. Yeah, I mean, didn't didn't get to see a goal, but I just thought, well, I'm going again next week on my birthday. Uh, it's going to be boss, and yeah, three one win uh, against Fulham the week after. So it was a, it was a nice little seven days for me, to be honest. Yeah, and and just on the jersey thing, like Liverpool are in all red, and Valencia at the time are still do playing white with black shorts mm. and white socks, I think. Yeah. So there's no there's no um there's no clash there. It's a bit weird. No, nope, it was know. so strange. Yeah, so strange. So Valencia nineteen ninety eight nil all draw. Halcyon days, Halcyon days. Mick, Mick, what are you going to give us? Please don't tell us it was Valencia in the in the UEFA Cup and a nil all draw. <laughs> no, I mustn't. Uh, no, I went. I t- talking to Jay about this earlier, and I went to a couple when I was younger, but I wouldn't class them as my first game because I was probably a bit too young. It was like I was born in eighty nine, so it was going like early nineties. But my first one I proper remember was. A 2-0, well against, 2-0 win against Arsenal in August 96. Uh, McManaman got both of them. Okay. And that was just like, yeah, when you look at the team back then, like Collie Moore and Fowler up front, just proper proper throwback. And just when you see McManaman's grabbing two goals at Anfield, just like, just proper memories. Like. Yeah, and um, McManaman, um, a player that I think is usually underrated by the by the Liverpool fan base. Probably his exit from the club, you know, leaving on a free, but he was very open about it. Um, what a player. I was only watching last night. I, it might have been on LFC TV, or it might have been a, a tweet, and it was his equaliser against Celtic in the UEFA Cup at Parkhead um, when he just takes the ball from the right-back position and oh. runs the length of the pitch and calls on him with his left foot. What a player. But can I ask you about Stan Collymore? I'll ask you both, actually. Stan Collymore. Now, He's a bit mad now, you know. He's 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 off. I was, the last time I came across him, I think he was was he at the Euros or the World Cup, and he was going around with a load of people fighting. Um, he wasn't fighting. Though, don't get me wrong. He had a GoPro on him, and he was trying to <laughs> report on it. But I I don't think he. I think he comes off harshly for a Liverpool career as well. When the majority of the time, I thought he was really good. Go on, Jay. Go on, Mick. No, go on. You go first, mate. I went no, first. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, I think he was just one of those characters, weren't he? Where he was, you could tell he was a bit of a knobhead, but he was a good footy player as well. So was, I think it was just one of them. He was a bit, he was probably a bit too cocky before his time, and maybe had um, ideas above his station in terms of how good he actually was. But he, he was a good, a good player for us at the end of the day. He scored some goals, and now, now he just loves ripping people on Twitter. Then he? he loves loves getting into all that shit. So yeah, I, I think we, they, what... we wouldn't know. I think we're blocked. 
<laughs> I'm gonna be honest. But go on, go on, Jay. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing was with, with Collymore. I remember remember reading Robbie Fowler's first book, and he did say that there was, even though they played well together on the pitch, there wasn't really that sort of dressing room atmosphere. And obviously, at the time, the, it was heavily dominated by a lot of the scouts lads in the team, with with Macker and Fowler and Macatia being like sort of the main men in in the, uh, the changing room. But yeah, I, I don't think he fulfilled his potential at all at Liverpool. I just or anywhere else, to be honest. I, I, he was he had. His, Good touch. He was a, a good striker, powerful up front, which is sort of like why we sort of liked him to to Emil Heskey a few years later, and we sort of like can he do the business uh, in that sort of role? But yeah, he just he just didn't like we've seen in the comments. He just didn't fit in. Yeah, I, you know what? When he signed, I was I was delighted. I thought like big, strong, powerful eye for goal, whether that's in the box or out of the box. And he scores a cracker against Sheffield Wednesday on his yeah. debut. Um, Kevin Pressman is poor for it, I'm going to be honest, but it's a, it's a good goal. Uh, and it, you're right, he, 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 seems to, he seems to play really well for a period and then something just seems to go wrong. I remember listening to a podcast with um, Tony Warner on it and Tony Warner was explaining how the smallest things Stan Collymore would just erupt. You know, if you sat on it, if you, if you sat on a chair that he thought was his to be, to be absolute, you know, uh, war going on. Um, uh, Tony Warner wouldn't have been his biggest fan. Let's be honest, but I, I think you're right. I don't think he, he fulfilled his potential at all, but listen, that's the way it goes. Uh, Joe, uh, Lewis McGuinness asks, is, um, all Leeds TV Joe coming on? There's Joe there. Um, <laughs> all right, lads. <laughs> Joe, Joe, commiserations. Um, yeah, a massive man, defeat man. tonight in the League Cup to Hull on penalties. Um, yeah. They didn't put out anybody that was of any note, did he, from the weekend? Um, no, I think Rodrigo played, mate, uh, up top. Um, that was it, really. The rest were all fringe players, and if they're looking to to come into the side at any any point, then they didn't do themselves any favours tonight. We could, to be fair, we could have lost about three or four, but um, we got a last minute last minute goal from a set piece. We were lucky, and then we lost nine eight on pens. But honestly, it was absolute dire to watch. I'm not going to lie; it was pretty painful, to be honest. Yeah. Um... Somebody says, but now somebody, we're Premier League, we can just say it's a Mickey Mouse Cup. We're not asked about it anymore. Well, you know, it, we're it, Premier League now, you know. It, it, well, it, well, it, well, it clearly is because when you look at the team they put out, they, they've different uh, prerogatives yeah. this season. You know, I did mention a huge um, defeat, and somebody just says huge defeat question mark. I was messing. Um, listen, the League Cup, um, especially with the amount of games and the condensed season you're going to have, the League Cup is going to take even. You know, it's going to be even less important than it was in seasons gone by. Joe, we were just discussing um, the first game you've seen Liverpool live. Now, obviously, for you, it's going to be late. The lads are talking Valencia 98, and um, they're talking uh, Arsenal 96. What, for in Leeds terms, was your first game? Uh, it was Luton, mate. Luton. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You're talking big games there. It was uh, Luton in League One, you know. It was uh, growing up, you know, like. Um, didn't have much as a kid. Do you know what I mean? I always wanted to go. My mum never had no cash, you know. So it was only until I got my own money that I could actually afford to start going to games, you know. Um, and I went with my brothers. Um, we were in uh, League One. And um, I remember I was in the South Stand behind the goal. Casper Ankrigan saved a, a last-minute pen. Um, and then not long after, I went um, Millwall. I went Millwall because it was brutal. Like... Um, 
some of the videos are still on YouTube now. It was a real eye opener because when we got to the ground, the first buses just got absolutely smashed by the Millwall fans. Like there was three buses, they were trying to climb out and all sorts, and uh, they had to frog march them back to uh, the train station because the 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 first buses refused to take them back after the game. Um, yeah, it was quite uh, yeah quite a bit naughty that to be fair. You know, when you, I was a young lad as well, thinking I was like. Running up the hill, going like that to the cops, <laughs> but not getting, do you know what I mean? Thinking I was big, but yeah, um, yeah, back then, not a great start to be fair. Obviously, growing up as a kid, we had Premier League football when I was at school, do you know what I mean? So, Champions League and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, when I when I eventually got my own money to go, it was in League One, so there you go. <laughs> Leisha, Leisha, been mate, Leisha, been, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to see them, you got to see yeah. them. Uh, free, free World said his first game was in 2003 against Blackburn. If anyone has can remember the first games going to watch Liverpool or Anfield or away from home, and um, let us know. In terms of me, myself, you know, living in living in Dublin. You know, supporting my first memory of Liverpool is probably 1986-ish. Um, it is 1986, the cup final in 86. Uh, but going going across to Liverpool was, was something that, you know, a bit like Joe was saying, it's something that, you know, it's it, it, it's a pipe dream, to be honest with you, um, for a lot of people in Ireland at the time. You know, it was it was quite expensive to even get boats, um, very expensive to go on flights at the time. And we kind of lived off, you know, the football on the TV, the, the limited, um, it was limited to a certain point as well. And um, with regards to how many channels you would have at the time, it wasn't all Sky Sports, BT Sports and, you know, IPTV. It was, it was limited, um, in, in the early years of my life anyway, probably till the mid nineties. But the first game I went to Liverpool was actually April 98, I think it was. Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 2-1 at Anfield. Attilio Lombardo was playing for Crystal Palace. Um, and I always remember the Crystal Palace fans in unison doing the calm down gesture from the Anfield road end. Um, and actually, they, I remember they, they were very poor, Crystal Palace. And Liverpool fans were singing going down, going down, stuff like that. And uh, Crystal Palace responded with so are we, so are we. So um, there was a good bit of humour there as well. Ivan Leonardson scored that day, and so did David Thompson. I think a young Marcus Bent. Marcus Bent, am I have a right? He used to play for Everton. Am I yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think he might have scored late on for Crystal Palace. So they're going back 22 odd years, but still remember it quite well. I remember sitting in the upper centenary, or the Kenny Daglish as it's known now, and wearing the brightest orange jacket I could find to bring with me, thinking. Well, if the camera, if the, ball, <laughs> if the ball goes really high in the air and the camera follows it, um, I might be there. Um, but yeah, it was one of those. So, um, does, does um, Paulie? I've been Leonardson though. I've been Leonardson. I mean, what has happened to him? Where's he gone? He's just disappeared off the face of the planet. Well, some of them do. Like you know, um, Steve Finnan, I think, became an auctioneer. Just about to say, where the fuck is <laughs> yeah. Steve? By the way, Steve. yeah, I, th- I think he became an auctioneer <laughs> or like a. a I think it was an an, an auctioneer. I think, yeah. Um, oh, some of them just do disappear. Like Jersey Dudek went off and done rally driving, didn't he? Um, yeah, did you, well. you see the ads on LFC TV where Vegard Hegem is just standing in a river fishing. That's right. Um, yeah. so, some of them just play football and then you know that's just their job and they go off and do other things. Paulie G says his first game was Torres' first game versus Chelsea, the one all draw. Nice. Um, 
Nice game. Nice Thanks. game. Uh, let me see. And he also says, here's one for you, Joe. He's seen Leeds play Shelbourne of Ireland, obviously, in Dublin, with Cantona and Tony Dorigo in the team. Wow. So there's one for you. Um, that's going back early, early 90s. Yeah, um, well, he went, like, after we won the won the league, didn't he? 91-92, uh, and uh, across the Pennines. I mean, Tony Dorigo is still massively involved with the club. He uh, does the match day hospitality and, and commentary and stuff like that at Ellen Road, like, so... Mm. Yeah, quite an experience that. But pe- people are mentioning, like Polly G says, there Shelbourne with Canton and Tony Drago. At the time, a lot of English clubs would come over and play Shelbourne because they had a stadium in Dublin that held around 10,000. It was an all seater, and that was kind of unknown. In, in Ireland at the time, um, even in the professional game. So they seem to get a lot of glamour friendlies. I, I went to plenty of them. Um, Liverpool playing there as well. Um, Tony Drigo, Dr- geez, that brings, um, that brings back memories. It really does. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Um, there's other, there's, there's, there's a good few people coming in there with, um, with our force games and stuff. But if you, if you think of Mark, throw them in there. And sure, I was, I'll, um, I'll, I'll I'll talk about them later if they keep coming in. David Hornby says he was at the 9-0 versus Crystal Palace, of course, the same season that we got beaten in the semi-final at Villa Park um, of the FA Cup 4-3. Uh, Thailand Shane says his first game was 89 FA Cup quarter-final against Brentford at Anfield. We won 4-0. Of course, um, Liverpool go on to uh, 89. They go on to win the FA Cup that season against Everton. Um, lads, the next thing I want to... Uh, oh, sorry. Tom Boland says, Leon Arson, the last he heard, oh, he's in brilliant. Norway coaching. So there you go. You see, people right, in this chat, they right, know their Tom. stuff. They know their stuff. Uh, let me see. Um, Kieran B says, and this is the last one for the minute, his first game I seen was Anfield. It was in my early teens, a preseason game, Collie Martin, David James giving signatures after the game. Um, let me see. Right. Topics. Um, the next one. And the next one I want to talk about is, and it's interesting, it'll be interesting to get a Leeds kind of support supporters view on this or suppose just any opposition supporters view on this and and the the topic I want to go to is Mo Salah and Mo Salah um, signs for Liverpool in the summer of 2017 um, we're currently one game into this season and of course he had a massive impact on the game at the weekend he currently sits on 97 goals for Liverpool in all competitions I think off 156 games of wherever my it's 150 odd I think it's 156 and it's a it's a ridiculous record to be perfectly honest with you he has I think last season was the only season in the first three seasons where he didn't score 20 plus league goals he got 19 um, just so people know and he's torn her up since he got to Liverpool he's probably one of the most recognisable faces in football right now across the world and he's probably the, probably one of the most wanted um players in the world if he went on the market but one thing that struck me is and, and I think it was Gary Neville's comments that kind of struck me at the weekend where he said I'm looking at him now and he's this and he's that and I'm kind of going have you not been watching him for three years Jay I'll start with you Mo Salah does he get enough credit overall for you from A Liverpool fans and B fans of other clubs or even the media pundits etc oh wow um, I'd say I don't think he does overall across all, every every bit of medium there. I really don't think he does and it, it's really unfair and for him to score a hat-trick on, on the opening day and, and just, he's a fourth season wonder, isn't he? You know what I mean? Everyone has been questioning every season towards the back end, oh, Salah hasn't done this, Salah hasn't done that and the, what frustrates me the most is when Salah's name gets thrown around to fuel the fire to, to sign a different player 
And I, it, I mean, I have a beer in my bonnet about that anyway. It's, it's quite disrespectful. But no, I don't think he does get the credit he deserves. I think definitely that first season he did, obviously, because of the records that he set and, and the records he was chasing, you know, with Ian Rush and stuff like that. And I think he scored 40 odd goals in that season was just incredible. But because he didn't hit the, the same amount of goals the second season, everyone considered that a flop. Whereas every other striker in the league would consider that a successful season. But he set the, the bar so high for himself in that first season that everything else was was bound to be a drop-off in a lot of other people's eyes. Whereas, as from a Liverpool's fan's perspective, there hasn't been that drop-off. And I, I don't think he gets the appreciation he deserves from everybody else, but they don't watch him every single week, do they? So we see the contribution that he brings to the club. And I think a lot of people might get frustrated with Mo Salah because he can be a little bit greedy at times. But, you know, from a, a striker's perspective, I just think he just wants to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but, yeah, it's he definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves. And it was questioned in pre-season. Uh, quite a bit of whether Salah was right for this team in, in that sort of way but no um, he's, in, he's incredible and I, I wouldn't sell him I wouldn't sell him I wouldn't swap him for anybody fair, yeah I think everything you say is absolutely spot on Mick when, when you look at Mo Salah and people people are starting to mention his age he's 28 he's in his absolute prime um, you know and they're saying oh maybe one more season and then he'll go and does not is there anything there for you to suggest, Mick, that, that he would go? Um, you know, people have said, Oh, Ronald Koeman wants him at Barcelona. Yeah, listen, I want to play for Liverpool, but that doesn't happen. You know. Um Do you do you see do you see this a, a time when he leaves, or do you think though you're getting two or three good seasons out and that's and, and that's at the least, I suppose? Uh, yeah, like you said, he's twenty eight now. He's in his fourth season. In times gone by, when we've I've spoken to Jay about this and other podcasts, like we're one of the best teams in the world now. Whereas in the past, where we've had the likes of Torres and Suarez, we've not been the best team in the world, and we've had a gem in one of the best, having one of the best strikers in the world. So they're using those like as like a type of platform to go on and make a bigger move because they want to, if they're South American, they want to go and play for Real Madrid or Barcelona, or they want to go and win La Liga, Champions League. And at the time when we had those other players, we weren't doing that, but now we are doing that. We've got this Mo Salad in this team who, for me, is one of the best in the world. And like Jay said, he doesn't get quite the credit he deserves. Like, I think he got 44 goals overall in his first season in all competitions, like in 52 games. Like mm-hmm. those type of numbers, it's always going to be a drop-off. And for me, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And like I said, if I don't think there's anywhere he could go. Like If he stays another couple more years, he's going to be 30. Then maybe he wants to move to... Spain or whatever and try and win a La Liga and over there or something like that or something like that but for me he's won He's won the Premier League he's won the Champions League with us I don't know why he'd want to move and try and do that somewhere else when for me where he is now is probably the best position he's in to, to, to do that again if he wants to go and win more Champions Leagues Yeah I, I, I'm going to come back to you in a minute on a little theory about Salah or maybe a question for you but I'll leave it for a minute because I want to get I want to get Joe's views on this because look you, Joe you've seen him um, play at the weekend. I think, you know, he, he, he gets the first penalty because his shot is blocked with, by the arm of a Leeds defender. His, his finish for a second is ridiculous. Um, there's so much power behind it. And then he has the nerve to stand up and, and slot a second penalty. But, you know, you're a Leeds fan, Joe, but, you, you know, Salah is seen every week on TV. And so, A, what did you make of him at the weekend? And B, do, do you think over the last couple of years, he's a player that you look at and go, he's just world class. There's no, there's no doubts about it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you look at 
you know, the Ronaldos and Messi's, no one's up there with them, are they? But you know what I mean? He's, he's definitely in that, that next group down, I would say. Do you know what I mean? Um, and just from my own point of view on Saturday, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Maybe there's been a lot made in the past about he has to have a number of chances before he'll get one. You know, he's not as clinical, maybe. But from what I've seen on Saturday, I mean, if Salah's not on top form, you maybe don't win that game. I think, you know, the rest of them were a little bit quiet, but Salah was just unreal. It, it was a little bit frustrating, actually, watching it and seeing it back. It's like every time he went back in front, he had a, like, grin on his face as if to say, I knew we were going to get back in front anyway. I don't know. It was this little bit of, like... Ah, don't worry about it, man, we're back in front. You know, and there was that little bit of arrogance there, but I think you need that as well, man. And I thought he was absolutely fantastic on Saturday. And if he continues in that vein, man, just being as clinical as he was, I mean, he already has, hasn't he? But any sort of questions I think are unfounded for me. I thought he was brilliant. I think one thing that's held against him is the is the Chelsea stint. Yeah, And yeah. I, think that's, I think that's being held against him for... Uh, the majority of his career, and especially his Liverpool career, because when 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 Liverpool fans speak, talk him up, or you know, a, 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 pair, a ponder or an ex-player talk him up, the reaction you usually get is, "Ah, oh, but you know, he flopped at Chelsea, you know." And I'm kind of going, "Yeah, Chelsea didn't work. Kevin De Bruyne flopped at Chelsea, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know." Um, and he, he goes off, I think, to Fiorentina on loan. Then he's he's good there. He, he's a year at Roma on loan. Then he's signed permanently, and then he ends up at Liverpool. And I just I can't understand why we're, we're even mentioning the Chelsea stint because if you look at Mo Salah, take out just take out the Chelsea bit, um, and don't even go back as far as uh, Basel when he was playing for them. His form over the last four or five years, possibly six, um, is. It's unbelievable for a wide player. Unbelievable. And, and to sit on 97 goals for Liverpool Football Club at 150-odd games is, is mental. I haven't looked up the stats. I don't know how quick Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, um, got to 100 goals. Fernando Torres didn't get to 100 goals. Either did Luis Suarez. You know, um, I just think it's it's phenomenal what, what Mo Salah is doing. Jay, we're looking at him at 28 and we're looking and a couple of people have mentioned him maybe he dropped deep or as he gets older you know because he has got quite a creative brain about him you know he's not just pacing and directing and you know um you know powerful finishes he, he kind of has it all when it comes to finishing maybe his rifle isn't as strong as he'd like it to be but listen how many players hit well off both feet is there an argument that as we see him progress over the next year or two that he ends up becoming more of a center forward a bit like Ronaldo ended up becoming there's definitely an argument for it, absolutely. My thought then is uh, you put him at centre-forward, what happens to Bobby Firmino? Because Bobby Firmino in that in that pocket of, of being the main striker up front is is so vital to this team. And if, if that's going to happen, then we're going to have to completely change the way we play. Uh, you never know, you know, Klopp might want to do, he might want to change it over the next couple of years and he might want to bring Bobby uh, a bit further back into the number 10 role instead of being up front. But, um, it, Salah can play there it's been tried and tested and it, it it does work but obviously it does work a lot better when Bobby Firmino is playing that main striker so I think that's a question that does involve Bobby as well um, because if you're moving Salah into the middle then you've got to move Bobby and I, I, the, the, the fear just shudders through me the fact that Bobby might leave or we, we take him out of a position where he might not have a big of effect don't get me wrong um, it, it, Bobby could pl- probably play in that number 10 role no problem but Again, another player that goes very underrated, considering you know everyone has a go at him. So he's a striker and he doesn't score as many goals. Well, he's 
he's been fantastic for us, and he, and he makes Mane and Salah play better, and we all know that. Oh, we absolutely do. Um, there was an argument on our podcast on Monday, the forum, about uh, talking about Bobby Firmino, and, and the, the biggest thing that came out of it was take him out of the team and let's see how we get on. And the other thing is, you know, he absolutely does make players around him work, uh, Bobby Firmino. Flash Gordon has a great idea. I'm all for it. Um, bring in Sancho, move Sal- Salah up front and move Bobby into the 10. What we could do is we could start to go for me like the United fans have and see if we can get to the 108 million before they do. Um, and uh, we'd have a bit of crack along the way. But listen, that's Mo Salah. I think, I think looking at it, I think he's starting... He's always got recognition, but I think he's. I I think people are starting to recognise he's at his absolute, um, you know, the peak of his powers at the moment. And and like Joe says, if he continues in that vein, you know, I think you know, we're not asking for hat tricks every week. But if if he goes through, if he goes through this league season in a goal less than every two games, you know, you're Liverpool are in for a show for for everything if he continues at that rate it really is now um, I asked Joe on tonight and when I asked Joe on tonight I said Joe listen we need to bring some topics to the table okay and he sent me back uh, just a link and I think it was one word under that link and the word was Lampard right <laughs> now Joe has been on this is Joe's second appearance on this show he made a big impression on the force because everyone was just going Joe really doesn't like that Lampard fella we really like him right <laughs> and I went don't worry I'll get Joe back on we'll have a proper discussion about him and it all stemmed from uh, Mark, uh, Bielsa um, in a bush, well, not personally, but I have it as in a bush, uh, spoiling on Frank Lampard's derby. And I think Lampard's derby knocked the, uh, Leeds out of the playoffs that season, and Lampard's given it the big on that at Ellen Road and stuff like that. And Joe, I want to start with you. Um, you you just don't rate this fellow whatsoever, do you? It's, it's not even that, it's the fact that he's at Chelsea as well, and obviously he's a Chelsea legend. We, you know, our rivalry with Chelsea goes way back, like nine, 1970, you know. Um, it's arguably, it's one of the, the, the northeast games in English football, they say, that FA Cup final, and from that point, it just sort of um, steamrolled from there. So we're not big fans of Chelsea anyway. Um, and the fact that Lampard dropped down, uh, the division into the championship and that happened, you know, the whole Spygate saga happened and um, he's the media's baby, I think, um, and they give him a lot of favour. So obviously if this had happened against Birmingham City, for example, nothing would have been made of it, but because it was against Frank Lampard, you know, and um, and, and this this fallacy that he did a good job at Derby, Every manager that comes into Derby takes them into the playoffs. The season before they were in the playoffs, he took them backwards. You know, yes, he got them in. I mean, we schooled him. Uh, Bielsa schooled him and he'll do it again. And I've even put a bet on it that we'll beat Chelsea over two fixtures, home and away. But that's just me because <laughs> tactically, I don't think he's he's all he's all that either. And um, yeah, he's the media's baby. So obviously that happened. Um, I mean, people forget when he was at Derby, he had a cash book then as well. He was able to bring in Harry Wilson and pay you guys loan fees. We looked at uh, Harry Wilson, but Liverpool have a, a clause, I think, which is a really smart clause. You might tell me different where if if they don't play, you have to pay Liverpool a fee. Correct. Um, and we, 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 don't, we weren't willing to do that because with Bielsa, if you're not thinking you're not going to play, and that's why we never moved on Harry Wilson and he went to Derby and then he brought in Mason Mount and he brought in Tomori because he had his Chelsea connections. So there was a massive loving because it was Frank Lampard's Derby counting. 
you know. It's now Wayne Rooney's Derby County, and it's just a little bit frustrating. And then when we come up and he gets a job that he doesn't deserve, um, and he gets plaudits thrown at him again to say that, oh, he, all this youth, he's a great English manager, he's took Chelsea forward. No, he didn't. He took them backwards. They finished lower than they did under Sarri. They got to two finals and lost them both. Um, they conceded more goals than Brighton. You know, defensively, they're a shambles. Um, but he's given given extra, extra time. And I, I, and then, then, recently, he's now said he doesn't want Chelsea to become an academy club. He never wanted the, to, them to become an academy club. And he now wants to start spending the cash. But last season, it was all about bringing the youth through. And all this tosh that the media is great English manager bringing the youth. Now he's saying, and that that for me was a real like paradox. But then I thought, well, why wouldn't anyone want to become a academy club? Like that, surely that's the answer, so that you don't have to go out and spend all this cash. Wouldn't you rather have talent coming off your, you know, the conveyor belt as opposed to having to go splash two hundred and fifty million or whatever he spent this time? You know, the the wages must be going through the roof. Like I was on watching Sky Sports, I don't even know his name, and he's going, "Let's talk about the Lampard effect. The fact he can bring in all these players with one phone call. No, it's the fact he's willing to pay them two hundred and fifty, three hundred grand a week." Nothing to do with Lampard. And I, I, and I genuinely think he has to get off the ground running, regardless of him being a legend, because of the money he's spent. And if he doesn't, and they weren't great against Brighton, let's be honest, they weren't great, you know. Um, and I don't know, I th- I just don't like the man, but I'm not a fan of Chelsea either. So it's that added bit to it as well. But yeah. I hope you got my thoughts there from from my rambling. Yeah, well, you're definitely not on the fence. I can I can um, <laughs> I can confirm that anyway. Um, Mick Frank Lampard goes to Derby, gets his break in in, manager, in in managerial career at Derby, and and like Joe says, you know he has got contacts. He bring he brings um, the likes of Mason Mount in. Uh, Harry Harry Wilson as being mentioned tomorrow and stuff like that, and he doesn't get them up and. You know, you're, you're kind of, he's at Derby and you're kind of going, well, you know, first go, not too bad, stuff like that. And then the Chelsea job comes up. Is it one of those where he was the right person at the time for Chelsea, but he could turn out to be the wrong person for the direction that they're going? Because he always had, like Joe says, he has that backdrop of, oh, Chelsea can't spend. He's bringing through youth, the likes of uh, Bobby Gilmore, uh, Tamori, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, you know, there might be one or two others that I've forgotten. And he always had that to fall back on, you know, and you've seen them suffer, I think, midway through last season where they, they just couldn't keep it going. And, you know, they end up in fourth place. And should, should they stay there? I don't know. Leicester, the whole Leicester thing is still annoys me. But could it be a case, Mick, where, the, where it happens now where Chelsea... Abramovich has seen a, a loophole here where FFP has dropped. You know, it's it's out the window for a year or two. You know, he he had a transfer ban. They've had they've had all this cash rolling in, Hazard stuff like that. Now they have signed a couple of players, but is it a case of where this could get too big for him very very quickly? It definitely could. I think at the time when the job came up, he was obviously doing a a job at Derby, and it was a risk on Chelsea's behalf. I think because we could have easily been in that situation in a couple of years previous to Klopp where maybe if Gerard was a bit long a bit further along in his management career we might have thought oh we'll, we'll take a risk on a club legend as well and see and see what happens and whenever a team does that you always risk that playing legacy where Lampard did so well for Chelsea as a player 
come back to haunt him. And, and it could if that could that could happen in a few years, especially like you touched on all the players he signed and like Joe like Joe said, like he's he's made all this big kerfuffle last year about promoting youth and giving youth a chance and then now he's changed his tune and he wants to get out the checkbook and try and compete with the big boys like Houston City because like he he's got to really because that's 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 the way football's going. That's what Chelsea need to do in order to, to compete with us at the moment. But uh, no, I think he's a, he's a good manager. It's just yeah, like, like the, the whole thing with Klopp as well. Like with the way he was saying to Klopp, uh, you've only won one title and you're giving it the big and the whole that the whole thing on the touchline and <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, well, yeah, but really, he hasn't won anything as a manager. I know he's he was a yeah. fucking boss player. Fair enough, he was a great great player and he won loads of stuff. Fair fair dues. He done he done well. But as a manager, he's done fuck all. So that that shout to Klopp for me was a bit like well. Uh, you've got your past and you'll always be respected for what you did as a player but as a manager speaking to a well-respected world-class manager like Klopp like that was just kind of like a for me I didn't think he I didn't think he was like that from what I'd seen like obviously in press conferences and like when he does his interviews and stuff like that I didn't think he was like that type of character but turns out he is and it just makes me (laughs) not want Chelsea to do that well even more just as, as a result of that and I think they've, they, like you said, they've signed some good players. And to be fair, that that makes a lot more and more pressure on their backs. Like the likes of Werner Havertz, these are players that six months ago we Liverpool fans were clamouring for. Like definitely Timo Werner, we all thought the deal was done, and then it turns out not because we did, we didn't have the money or we didn't want to spend the money, whatever. And then he goes to Chelsea, and yeah, it was a bit of a sour one. And then you look at the likes of Havertz, who's done, done so well in Bundesliga. It was the same same type of scenario where. Chelsea have done well to get him, to be honest. But like you said, that that makes the rod for their back a lot a lot bigger. And if if they don't start producing goods quickly on the field, like Joe said, they weren't great at the weekend. They, they stumbled over the line. Uh, they need they need to result quicker because they've opened the checkbook. And if it doesn't happen as soon, is Abramovich going to be as lenient as he would with anyone else? No, absolutely not. Yeah. He won't be. He. he Ancelotti had, I would argue, the best Chelsea side you've seen since Abramovich arrived. And he, when it just turned bad in any way, he just got rid of Ancelotti. Uh, Zula Warrior says, What is this word to blatant Chelsea bashing? Where it is, panel so salty. Sounds like Chelsea jealousy to me and fear from Liverpool. No, it it's actually intrigues me. Um and it's and, and the bit that Mick says there with, with the whole rivalry the media are trying to build up a Klopp um is if it's a bit fake, to be honest with you. I, I think that they're trying to make something that's not there. Frank Lampard did have a go at Klopp at Anfield on the night the Liverpool were crowned um, or given the trophy as, as Premier League champions. And he has come out and said afterwards he regrets it, which is absolutely fair enough. People say stuff at the time. You know, Alan Pardew was headbutting fellas um, on the side of the pitch, wasn't he? So, and he regretted that. So you're allowed to do stuff and it happens and then you can turn around and go, listen, I regret that. And that's absolutely fine. Um, it just intrigues me that... It seemed like it seemed like a really smart move by Chelsea to bring Lampard in and say, "Listen, we have a transfer ban. We need someone to come in that has a high standing within the club, even though he hasn't played there for a number of years. He, we want to progress young players. We are limited in what we can do with regards to the squad, but we feel that you could do something. And they would get listen. They would all Chelsea owners and wherever else." would always get a bit of leniency from the fans if they had the likes of a Lampard there, as opposed to, I don't know, a Gus Hiddink, right? Um, so 
that's what intrigues me. What intrigues me now is, is that I think Chelsea have got ahead of Lampard a little bit. I think Lampard would have looked at this and went, listen, four season, bring in youth, add a couple, keep the youth there, progress them, maybe look at a two, three year project. And that project has been put in the bin. And it's being put in the bin because of the COVID situation, of Abramovich deciding, well, you know, we've had a transfer ban, we have got money sitting there, plus we can spend wherever we want, you know, and I've got an appetite back here. And he sees he sees a chance to close a gap. He genuinely sees a, ga- a chance to close a gap, and that's what he's gone and done. My argument here is that could it get ahead of Lampard? Could it become something where Lampard ends up with all these superstars around him? And listen, he was a superstar himself as a footballer, but it's completely different when you're a manager and you have to manage all these people rather than just play alongside them. And that's why it's not, it's not a salty thing for me. I think they've been amazing in the transfer market. Amazing. Um, to sign Kai Havertz, you know, Ben Chilwell is a really good signing. Thiago Silva is an excellent signing. Um, I, I believe an excellent signing. Um, who else have they got? Timo Werner, of course. You know, they did, they went and stumped up a hell of a lot of money to, um, take him from Liverpool, from the, 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 the grasp of Liverpool, I suppose. Um, as Liverpool looked at the COVID situation. And listen, they're talking about a goalkeeper now. I think they've been very, very good and um, brilliant, in fact, in the transfer market. But I'm just, my thing would be, instead of watching Chelsea and how they progress this season, it's probably better to watch how Lampard progresses this season and take them as two separate entities. Because I have a sneaky feeling that not only if it doesn't go off, they could come toward and I think he could get sacked. That's how I put it. They came forth last season. They could make progress and he could get sacked because... Abramovich will go, I've put all this money in and I need someone that actually can take this squad and do something with it. And that's where it comes with um, with Frank Lampard. Jay, the, the rivalry with Klopp, it's just something in the media that's driven, isn't it? I think it will have fizzled out after this Sunday. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I think so. Um, I mean, you know, depending on the result, obviously, but I do think it'll fizzle out. I think it, all that footage will be will be the Friday, Saturday after the press conferences of what happened on the touchline um, at, at the game at Anfield. And it'll all get brought back up again. They'll both be asked about it in, in the press conference. Both of them will bash it away. with like, listen, we, we don't care. We're not bothered about that anymore. We're, we're, it's a new season now. Who gives a shit? And the media loved the Liverpool-Chelsea rivalry. We, they, they loved it in the in the mid two thousand when we were playing them like every other week uh, in loads of different competitions. So anything to ignite that again. But as a Liverpool fan, am I bothered about Chelsea? No. Yes, they've made some good signings, absolutely, but there's still a lot of problems in that Chelsea side, and they're going to score goals with with, with the forward line that they've got. Uh, like Joe said before, they they struggled against Brighton a little bit, but it's going to be a good game uh, on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it at the end of the day, but I'm not particularly worried about Chelsea the same way I haven't been worried about them for a couple of years. But the media will hype it up because again, it's Liverpool and Chelsea, it's Klopp versus Lampard, like they've got some bitter rivalry. Personally, I just think because everybody loves Jurgen Klopp, they're trying to find an enemy for him. Because he, because Klopp's such a lovely guy, that's that's what they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, it's it'll fizzle out after this weekend, mate. And there'll be be another thing. There's always something else to try and uh, get Klopp angry. But he takes the stride, smiles, and has that bloody great big laugh of his, and and carries on. Mm. 
Uh, uh, we, we, we're going to do a preview on, on Friday with regards to Liverpool or Chelsea v Liverpool and, and of course the rest of the Premier League on our Friday forecast show. But um, it's one I haven't given a lot of thought to Sunday yet. Um, but I, I better start because it's, it's Wednesday now, isn't it? So it's it's getting closer and, and it's one of those where I'm never sure going to play Chelsea ever. It's it's always it's a bit like playing United. You're never sure what's going to happen. Um, I think it's it's simply because I think there are two teams that meet each other a lot. They seem to meet play each other all the time. You know what I mean? Um, it, you, we always seem to get them in a cup or a Champions League, and obviously the league game. So it's one of those where they know each other inside out, regardless of personnel. You know, it, it's just one. It's just one of those. I want to talk a little bit about um, the, the promoter sides in a minute, but quickly. Um, because there's a lot of stuff going on in the chat here. Uh, there's a couple of Chelsea fans in watching, which is great. And listen, if you're in there, enjoy it. Just say what you want. We'll give our opinion. We don't block. We don't um, hinder anyone's opinion in here. That's that's what football is all about. But I just want to get quickly our top four predictions in order, right? And um, of course, people will clip this and, and get back to you at the end of the season. But uh, <laughs> Joe, I'm going to come to you first. In order, give us your um, give us your top four prediction. I've got, I hate to say it, but I've got City winning the league, um, to be honest. You second. Bold one, I said Arsenal third. Okay. Um, and and Chelsea in fourth, which is uh, yeah, not ideal. But I don't know. I, uh, listen, guys, I'm, you've seen a lot more Premier League football than me. Like but With Leeds... My concentration is on the division that we're in, and I watch the. Do you see what I'm saying? So you like I made a comment about the Arsenal, and everyone laughed at me. But I don't know. I've just got this feeling that that they'll, they'll do well this season. Especially, I really rate the signing of Willian and what what a performance he had as well on his so debut. Boy. To be fair, so we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think City might pip. I just think, especially if they get if they do get cooler Bally, um, you know, and him and Laporte. I don't know, Laporte was out for a while last season. I don't know, I think they'll go again. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how they get started. Because you absolutely blew everyone out of the park last year and there's nothing to say you won't do it again. Because Saturday showed, for me, that's that's title winning, that's champions winning that game. Do you know what I mean? You you never never out of it, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Um, you, I guess in your eyes, you probably thought we were always going to win the game. Do you know what I mean? Regardless, you know, with two minutes to go, you still got three points and that's what champions do that's what we were doing when we were in the championship we realised now we're gonna we're gonna lose a few but um, we should take some scalps as well but yeah it be interesting I'm excited for it to be fair it'll be a good running I think that like you said there's you and City way above um, way above everyone else but I think the rest are getting a lot closer <laughs> again now um, mm. and it's gonna be gonna be nice to see maybe not Tottenham they seem to be going backwards but it's nice not for you guys, but it's nice for me to see Everton um, doing well as well. So um, it's getting good, man. Leicester, all the, all them teams now. I think it's getting bigger. You know, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, um, I, I don't mind Everton being good. I'm being honest. Um, I think I think it's good for football in Liverpool and um, to have two good teams. You know, don't get me wrong. And um, the stuff that goes on at Everton on a week to week basis is fucking brilliant. Uh, but. You know, in fairness, um, we have seen over the years, well, going back a long time, there were two clubs that pushed each other, you know, especially during the 80s. Everton were fantastic during the 80s, and they, they were genuinely two teams that pushed each other week on week. So, um, Everton, 
very good against Spurs. I'll, we'll have a little word about Spurs before we go as well, but Everton are very good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what they see, uh, what they do against West Brom, who are a promoted side and um, look horrendous against um, Leicester, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Mick, top four in order, please. I'm going to go Liverpool top. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> going to go City second. I'm going to go Chelsea third. And I'm going to go Arsenal fourth. Okay, and so that's two... Yeah, that's two two years now that I haven't mentioned United in the top four, which is interesting. Um, is there any reason for that? I think it's just because I'm a bitter bastard. I don't want them to be for top four, to be honest. Okay, <laughs> so it's nothing to do oh, with football. Oh, he's like Frank, though, as well, isn't he? All these gash as well, man. man these, come yeah. on, man. He can't be instilling anyone with any confidence in the dressing room, I don't think. Well, well you know... It'll be, it'll be a close run for fourth between Arsenal and um, United, I think. Mm. Okay, Um I'll get on to United as well in a minute. Jeez, I'm getting onto a lot of clubs now in a minute, but we will. Uh, why not? Sure, what else are we doing? Jay, give us your top four. Well, I'm going to be that arsehole who's going to pick United, Anna. I've, uh, mine, mine is Liverpool to win the league, obviously. City second, Chelsea third. And yeah, I, I, I agree with Mick, it's going to be close. But I do think United have got to be in the bonnet uh, this season. Um, and I do think that they could sneak into the top four. I, it pains me to say, but it's a win-win situation because if I'm jinxing United, then happy days, they're not going to make top four and I look like a fucking hero. <laughs> um, but no, it's. Uh, it, I do think that um, that United could sneak uh, that fourth place. Lever being a bonnet about miss, missing out. Bruno Fernandes doesn't like a, a top quality player and he'll be there for a full season and then I think uh, he'll give them the kick up the ass that, that they need. But again, you know, it's not a case of trying to be completely rose tinted glasses on these types of things at the end of the day it's they still have to sign a decent player and I think if if they, if they get Sancho over the line then it could be it could be something special for them this season to get fourth which again is a great sentence for me to say the fact that um, <laughs> that's all they're aiming for which is which is brilliant instead of league titles and my how the tables have turned and I absolutely love it but yeah um, I wouldn't be disappointed if, if United fell away but it'll be tough but Arsenal are definitely uh they're ones the ones to watch this season. Okay, um, a lot, a couple of people went mentioned Wolves as a dark horse for for the top four. I think they were Shame. very good last season. Yeah. Um, did they make Europe? Yeah, they are in Europe this season. Sure, they did. Um, okay. Oh, if they did, we'll double check. I think that might have been the thing that hurt them towards the back end of last season. Um, and if they aren't in Europe, I think Wolves are definitely. Um, Definitely uh, one to watch out for. My top four, uh, Liverpool, Manchester City, United, Chelsea. Um, I know a lot of people are talking Arsenal up and I see where they're going. I like Arteta, I like what he's trying to do, but I still think there's too many unreliable players on that side. Um, You know, now, they're selling a goalkeeper to Villa today and I think they might be trying to find, find something. If it is party of Atletico Madrid, I think they're onto an absolute winner. But I still think it's an awful lot. It's a big ask to Arsenal to go and do top four in Arteta's first full season, despite how impressive they are. Aubameyang is brilliant. Um, I think Lacazette doesn't do enough over the season for me. Um, Pepe, I don't know. Willian, really impressive as Joe says at the weekend but William does that and I rate William don't get me wrong I, I would have liked Liverpool to take him on a free but I would have liked him to take him on a free as a backup um, and the reason that being is because William can disappear 
and he can disappear for months and then he can come back and look he he done it last season where he was outrageously good away at sports um in a in a win for Chelsea and then where is he? I don't know. So you'd have to watch Willian over the first 10 games and see has he got some sort of pep back in a step, you know. Um, a change of scenery has really, really helped him. But I still think I still think that'll be the top four. On United, they just get so many fucking penalties. No, money messing. Um, they, they have improved. They have improved. They're following this Sancho thing and I don't know if they're going to get him. I, I still think they will. And if they do, they look they look extremely good going forward. But I, I would still harbour doubts about them at the back. Um, Wan-Bissaka is really good defensively. But if you're having that many attackers on your side, you're going to need Wan-Bissaka to back them up. And I just don't think... He's a brilliant defender. I just don't think he has it going forward. I've doubts over Maguire, Lindelof, uh, De Gea. We don't know. We don't know what way he's going to show up this season. I still think there's a bit there for United. And listen... Midfield Van Van der Beek is is a brilliant signing for them. So it's it's one of those where we'll have you, you'll know after about ten games. You know when people say, "Oh, don't look at the table after ten games." Mm-hmm. This is definitely a season to look at that look at the table after ten games because then you will see is anybody really stepping up? You know, and and, and we get we get a good idea then. Um, Spores. Somebody mentioned Spores there a minute ago. Um, linked with Troy Deeney, linked with Garrett Bale. Uh, is it Regulon? That they're trying to sign and they're and they're they're gonna take this buyback clause from Real Madrid. Um, they don't seem to have a plan for me, and they looked very very lethargic against Everton. Joe, I think it was you that said they're going backwards. Is the Jose Mourinho effect coming into effect a little bit early, or is it just one of those where you go, listen, he'll get a couple of players in, he'll get them motoring because he, he under Mourinho last season they were. The form between him coming in and the end of the season was actually top four form. It, could he be a surprise package and, and storm the top four? He's muted, is he? Yeah, sorry, boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think um, I think it was the first time they've beaten, been beaten by Everton since 2012. Yeah. So, like, it sort of gives you an idea. Like, I know that's only one fixture, but one they normally win, especially at home as well. Um, I just think the signings maybe, I mean, Bale's exciting, but like Hoiberg and, and Doherty, I don't think it instills like, they're not inspiring signings. This is Tottenham, right? This is not from mine, but from, you know, other people, they'll be saying, we're Tottenham. Yeah. If you look at what Everton did, let's say, for example, the business they've done, you know, James Rodriguez, Allen, etc. They're exciting signings. If I'm a Tottenham fan, I look at it and I think, Hoiberg and Doherty, really? Do you know what I mean? That's just my opinion. And I think, you know, you've got Kane there. Who's who's like, for me, he must be looking now and thinking, I can't stay here. Because he's not, he's, he's going to go through his career and not win. No. And he's up there. He should be up there with the best. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I, look, I, this whole documentary thing as well, from what I'm hearing from a few Tottenham fans, it was a bit, like Mourinho was trying to regenerate and give off this new image and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if it's really genuine and uh, if things are all rosy in the camp, as the do- you know, as the documentary at parts would have you believe. Um, the Deli Ali situation. I mean, he was unreal when he first came in, but then he took him off at half time. That's not great. That's not a great start to the season, is it? You know, t- taking Deli off. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think. 
I don't think they'll do do much, but it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, boys, because I mean, what what will Daniel Levy do? Because I guess I was saying the other day on a podcast I was on, he'll probably go after one of the cups, you know, and get silverware and that. But is that a successful season for Tottenham if they were to miss out on the top four and get the Capital One Cup? Do you know what I mean? Is it is it really? But I don't know. I I'm not convinced. If I'm honest, he's a, he's of an old breed now. Mourinho football's changed. You know, if you look, I know Bielsa has been about for ages, but look at him and look, look at the breath of fresh air. Look at Wolves. Look at Sheffield United. Chris Wilder. You know, with his overlapping centre backs and Mourinho still in that old. I, before Mourinho, there was a time when you still had like the likes of Pardew and Allardyce and all these getting jobs. They're now gone, you know, and then we've moved on. And now Mourinho, I think his era of man, that's moved on as well now, in my opinion. And we're, you know, it's all about free flowing and all that sort of stuff. And you just don't get that with Mourinho, do you? And it, I don't know where they go from here, um, to be honest. But, but it's only one game, though. Do you know what I mean? It's just that it's only one game, but, you know, um, we'll have to wait and see. Jay, for you, Spurs, um, not mentioned by any of us to, to go into the top four, is it one of those where they, they make Europa League and that's probably the best you're looking at? Because the Arsenal fan circle channel says there, Spurs don't win cups, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bit of a point though, hasn't he, really? <laughs> yeah, I think the Europa League is what what they should be aiming for. I think the the squad that they've got, is, is, there's a lot of talented players in there, but as a, as a team at the minute, they're just... They haven't been the same. Um, you know, they, they had a really good run to the Champions League final. Um, something happened in that Champions League final. I'm sure someone will remember uh, what happened in the Champions League final against Spurs. Um, <laughs> so we sort of broke them after that. We have a habit of breaking teams, which is great. Um, yeah, I think Europa League, mate, is, is, is what they've got. It's a little bit of a rebuilding job and it's just summed it up perfectly there. You know, Kane's trapped. And if this bail thing is actually true, it looks like it is It is true. It's it, <laughs> He's a quality player, isn't he? And it looks have, like he's just... A couple of people have said there it's confirmed. I've, I've just looked up yeah, Sky Sports there quickly and it just yeah. said it just said that he's awaiting um, uh, permission to, to fly to London. So um, it looks like... It's massive for the fans, mm. isn't it? It's huge, <laughs> isn't it? It absolutely is. Yeah. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal Fan Circle Channel, who, who who watches this quite a bit, actually. Um, I don't know the guy's real name. He'll probably tell me in the chat. But um, he, he did say to me earlier, uh, keep underestimating Arsenal. I don't underestimate them. I think I think what they're trying to do is is very good. I think yeah. I've said this before. They're getting away from what they thought they were for about fifteen years, and I like that. You know, they thought they were a certain thing from two thousand four up till Arteta turned up, and they weren't. And now they're Arteta is putting a stamp on it. He seems to be bringing in the players he wants to play the way they want. My only argument is is that they may need a couple more bodies on top of what they have and I'm not talking just this window I'm talking January and the window next year to really implement what he's trying to do because he is still dealing with players there that are quite unreliable um, you could put Jacket in there you know their centre halves are quite unreliable their goalkeeper's decent but can't you know has got a rick on him every now and then that's all I'm saying with regards to Arsenal I think what he what he's attempting to do and, and the project he's trying to put in place here it's actually very exciting if you're an Arsenal fan, in my opinion. But I just think he needs... I wouldn't like Arsenal to... Oh, I'll put it this way. If he gets to Christmas and he's, 50, he's 10 points off the top four, I don't want Arsenal fans overreacting and going, Arteta has to go. We need to such... A, you don't want that. He, he's, he's, he's the absolute epitome of someone that needs time, in my opinion, because what he's shown already is very refreshing. He seems to have a direction what he's doing, but it's not going to be done overnight. And I'm saying as a Liverpool fan that has... 
seen it all, right? <laughs> With projects and five years of this and do this. And, you know, I've seen fucking Roy Hodgson, so argument over. Um, so, you know, but, but give him, give him, give him time. I, I, I think he's, he's the absolute epitome of someone that needs time. Um, Mick, Spores, have I spoken to you about Spores? Not yet. Would you like to talk about Spores, Mick? Uh, yeah, I'd stack what the what the boys said, really. Like like Joe said, the sign that he made, like for me, Doherty, or Doherty, I would say his name, he, I think he's a good signing from Wolves, to be fair. But like Hoiberg, that's just like so middle of the road sign. And you're like, what 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 is that? Like, what's he, what's he giving you in there? in that midfield. And then you look at the team he played against Everton, they're playing Eric Dyer. Apparently he wants to be known as a centre-back now. They're playing <laughs> Eric Dyer, centre-back. And they've got Davin. Davin Sorry, just, just, to ask you, just to ask you quickly, Mick, did anything ever happen to Eric Dyer for getting into the crowd and start throwing digs? I don't know. I don't know either, to be fair. I think that happened, and then it just—I think coronavirus came along, and he went, "Ah, oh, it's all right, Eric, relax." Was, grand. Yeah, I don't know what happened with it, but yeah, apparently didn't he get like forty grand fine or something? All right, okay. So there's no ban, like. No, no. I think yeah. I think actually, weirdly, I think I was watching League of Their Own the day, and he, he mentioned he got like a forty k ban for it, but that was—I think that was it. Just fucking crazy, really, when you think about it. But yeah, when you think of him, he, he's like a midfielder, and he, he, what he apparently told Marino he wants to play centre back. Now you've got Davinson Sanchez sat on the bench, who for me is a really good centre back, uh-huh. and he's picking Eric Dyer over him. They've got some good players like going forward, like Son, uh, Harry Kane, Mora, Ali. Those four are as, as good as anything in the league, really. But it's just getting them in the right system and then getting the a good a good defence behind them that's that's going to be able to keep the goals out and I don't think they can do that that's the thing it's just they're in this phase where they need to, a bit of yeah, investment but then like Joe said I think Mourinho is a bit of a dinosaur now he's, he's yeah. not moved on with the times he's stuck in the he's stuck in 2004 like trying to have a scrap with Rafa still like he's, he's still stuck there and he's yeah. like well but, but he's moved on, mate. Like, he's, he's, ringing Rafa, he's ringing Rafa, and Rafa's telling him, listen, the time difference over here is mad, will you stop? <laughs> but yeah, I think he's, I don't know, he's, he's still a good manager, and he's always going to get the respect for this, the stuff that he's done in the game. But for me, like football, as like Joe said, Joe, if he's moved on since the stuff he was doing and the tactics he's employing don't seem to have the, quite the effect that they used to have in footy 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, the bail thing is—is is it a loan deal? Yeah, yeah. With Real Madrid paying the majority of his wages, because people are mentioning here, you know, where are sports getting three hundred grand a week? Um, pay Gareth Bale. I would suggest sports are probably paying him one hundred and fifty a week, and Real Madrid are paying the other four fifty. Um, just to get one hundred and fifty grand off that wage bill, and I don't know if, he, if he's out of contract at Real Madrid next summer, so it could be a case of listen you know, take seven or eight million off a wage bill this season and he's gone next year because he just wants to play golf. You know, um <laughs> and, and that's and that's fair enough, you know. Um they'll I presume, you know, a, a lifetime membership to the Belfry or something like that is included in in the in the contract as well. Um Arsenal fan circle channel whose name is Ray by the way, so thanks for telling me that. He says he doesn't usually watch other fan channels, but this one is quality. Well check out all leads T V um because Joe and the lads there are sound and check out Copy as well. Um them boys are are brilliant and uh, listen anyone putting out content um on a regular basis like the likes of joe um you know jay and mick and others the likes of coppish um 
you know, just with Liverpool beige of the Anfield rap, red men, you know, all these sorts of, they're all working hard and they're all working to bring it to people. So, um, supporting them is really, really good. I watch a lot of Arsenal fan TV, but that's for different reasons. Um, <laughs> but, Lads, before we go, I want to give a little mention to the promoted size, and I think it's right because with Leeds being a promoted side, I think it's, it's only fair that we do that on this on this first um, uh, on this first show that we're, we're doing on, on in midweek. And you know, Leicester dispatched West Brom. Leeds are beaten at Anfield in a really tight game. What was your result? Um, uh, Fulham got battered three 0 Fulham, by Fulham, of course, yeah. the, the first um, the first game of the of the season. Um, Mick, I'll come to you first. What do you make of these promoted sides early on? Because, you know, Leeds have a way of playing and they have BLs and I think that's a big advantage. West Brom, I've seen a bit against Leicester and I thought, what the fuck is going on here? And I've seen Fulham at, um, at home to Arsenal and I just thought it looked like Fulham from whatever it was two years ago when they in the Premier League, you know, all over the shop. Do you think any of these have a chance of staying up? Leeds... I talked about this with Jay. Leeds have hundred percent got it. If they play like they did against they do, they play like they did against Liverpool the rest of the season, they've got a chance of potentially getting top ten because they'll scare the shite out of teams to be honest with the way they play. When I look at the table now, the bottom three are West Ham, Fulham, and West Brom, and that's if my prediction before the season started was was those three to go down. So it's pretty much spot on. I think Fulham, Fulham and West Brom because the yo-yo up and down quite a lot. I think that's just in their psychology now. They're like, well, we're going to come up and then we're going to go back down again in the next couple of years. Whereas Leeds, it's been what? Has it been like 15, 16? 16 years, mate, yeah. So it's been, a, it's been a long time and he's got a coach in charge who actually gives a shit and he's got tactics in place they're going to implement and he's got a strong philosophy and you've got the players to go with it. And barring any injuries to any of your key players, he's going to have a great season. But the other two, I just feel like it's... It's a slight delay and inevitable. They've they've got the they've they've got up to the Premier League. It's just another one of those things where they're gonna maybe stay up for one or two years. They're gonna go back down again. And I don't know with Leeds. I feel like it's different. And I, I, like I said, it might be like just a psychology thing where they think, oh, we're gonna come up, have have a couple of paydays, be up for two years, go back down again. With Leeds, I feel like it's different as long as Bielsa sticks around as well. They've got a chance of staying in the Premier League for, for as long as they want to, as long as long as they keep the the right men in charge and they, they keep pumping money into the club to get the right players in at the right time. Yeah, uh, Dan Barker says Leeds are more suited to the Premier League and then the Championship, I presume. I think he has a point. As long as they can keep players fit and keep fitness levels high, uh, West Brom and Fulham are the whipping boys um, as far as Dan is concerned. Um, let me see. Stu Max says, Joe is class. I watched the Leeds lads because of Bielsa um, chiefly. Uh, very similar humility to Gav. Humility? Jeez, I've never been um, described as that. Uh, keep it grounded, boys. I'm, on, I'm only messing. I'm only messing. Um, no, listen, the idea the idea behind a lot of fan channels and, and, and podcasts like that is to be able to talk about football, listen to people's opinions and and actually listen to them and argue and debate all you want. But, um, yeah, it's um, it's 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 one thing that people like doing, like listening to, and, and once people like doing it and people like listening, it'll it'll continue on. Someone says who's snoring. Avo says uh, there is a noise coming through. I don't know what it is. Uh, it could be a faulty a faulty mic or anything like that. Um, I don't. I, know saw, I, saw, I could hear that as well. What could was you? it? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't know what I thought. Maybe it was. A, I thought maybe it was a phone, maybe vibrating in the distance somewhere as well. So I don't know. I was, I was like, what the fuck is that? Sorry. 
when it was happening all i could think of was john aldridge because their whatsapp group like during the game against rebel salzburg were like why, why does john aldridge keep making that noise where he keeps going all the time and the lads got absolutely freaked over for the whole game and um, anytime anyone makes that sort of noise now it's like who's doing that john aldridge thing um but uh Jay, coming to you, um, I think it's a very fair point on Leeds. I think, and I said it when we had Joe on last week, when you look at, take Norwich as an example, and I've said it before, Norwich come up and they have a pretty way of playing football and they like to be progressive in the way they play football, i.e. pass from the back, make angles, stuff like that. But we're very naive off the ball, very naive in the decisions they made and they weren't intense enough. Where Leeds to me, look like a team that have a way of playing. Their, their intensity is unbelievable, but they have a manager there that can change when needs to be changed. He can he can make them get stuck in when they need to during the winter months when 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 it's cold and windy. But you're not going to Stoke, so it's all right. Um, and you know, and then play football when they need to. So that, that's the difference for me. But West Brom to me and Fulham just look like lads. Did that, did, did you just get told on Friday night as we're playing the Premier League on Saturday? What's going on? Is there something for you where you agree with Mick and probably myself that Leeds have a great chance um, of not only staying up and probably progressing a bit more than that, but the other two just look, I know it's only one game, but they look a bit lost at sea. Yeah, it's the standard stuff where like, like Mick said, the yo-yo, don't they? They're up and down. And it, again, like you said before, Gav, I don't see Fulham being any different to the Fulham that was in the, in the league two years ago. So, um, yeah, I just I think the only team that are going to survive is Leeds, and again, you know, just not to not focus on the other two. I just think, well, obviously, Josie, it's Leeds were absolutely phenomenal with us, and me and Mick have interacted with quite a lot of Leeds fans with the two shows that we did on our channel, and every one of them was just absolutely brilliant um, in more ways than one, and like the way they were just so happy to be back um, in the Premier League, and they've deserved it. And Leeds have been ready for the league for a few years now. Let's not Leeds haven't just all of a sudden just won the championship because they've been in mid-table all the time. They've, they've been a bit like us, they're quite unlucky not to get a, a league title or a promotion in the, in the last couple of years. Similarly, we've been unlucky not to win other trophies. So they've been ready for the Premier League for a few years now and I, I genuinely believe that they've all got the hunger now to just stay up there and as well as the fan base. Like we said, it's been 16 years and I made up that lead to back in the Premier League because it does, it does feel like old school where you're collecting stickers with all the old... Uh, all Panini stickers and it's Leeds. It was uncomfortable that Leeds were were gone, and there's some amazing memories of Leeds down the years and Liverpool games. You know, we, we spoke about it, didn't we, Mick? With you know the Tony Yeboa games, the the Mark Viduka games, which mm. still gives me shivers now. Uh, but we got our four three revenge the other day, didn't we, lads? So um, no, mate. Leeds are going to be brilliant this season for a lot of reasons. The same way there's been surprises over the years. Remember when Ipswich came up years and years ago? And they were surprised packaging finished fifth and played some really entertaining football. Wigan Athletic, when they first came up, they were a big surprise. I don't think people expect Leeds to be a surprise because Leeds are a household name in, in a way to a lot of people uh, in football. Uh, but I do think that Leeds will do really, really well and they'll stay up no problem. And again, yeah, so just to echo what the other boys said, I think it's going to be very difficult for West Brom and, and Fulham to stay up. Okay, um, Joe, we're, we we got your thoughts on West Brom and Fulham last week when we were talking to you last Friday, so um, I'm going to put you on the spot and we can clip this out as well when the end of the season comes and we can all have a good laugh about it. Um, I'm being <laughs> absolutely upfront with you, so um, there's no point in ringing a solicitor. So, <laughs> give me what position do you feel Liverpool can finish in this season? 
Liverpool, Leeds, sorry, Leeds. I was going to say. Um, top, top 10, I think, genuinely. I look at I look at the bottom three, but then, then you know, you've mentioned like West Ham. I would have them down there, uh, Fulham and um, and West Brom. But the rest, I look like your Brightons, your Newcastles, the, you know, your Crystal Palaces, etc. We're better sides, genuinely. Not on an individual basis, this is the thing. You probably look at Fulham's squad. If you went man for man on an individual, you'd probably think they have a better squad. But our, our, our teams, it's about the sum of its parts. Do you know what I mean? And uh, they're a unit. Um, and I just think, look at the performance on Saturday, for example. And this isn't just a flash in the pan. I keep trying to say to Leeds fans, we have to win against Fulham on Saturday. Because if not the whole Norwich tag will come back out again, which was doing my tits in, in, in the run-up to the, to the game against you guys. You know, they're just another Norwich, etc. Um, but yeah, to, I, I think we could be top 10. And if we get top 10, I think Bielsa stays for a further season because he looks at it and thinks, mm, another push, a few more additions, I could be knocking on the door of Europe here. Because um, he only does like a one-year rolling contract, you know. So mm. we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But like that, he said 12th. I'll take 12th. I'll take 12th. Do you know what I mean? As long as we stay in the division. This isn't me being ar- arrogant. I want to stay in the division. I just think we're better than that. Leeds United are better than that. Um, we have Bielsa. If it was a different manager with this squad of players, I'd be worried. And I'd be, I'm, I can only speak from the heart and what I genuinely feel. I just think under Bielsa and the football that I've seen over the past two seasons, I know what it's about. You know, There was a lot made after the game the likes of Sunes, etc., who said they hadn't seen Leeds before. Oh, can they maintain this over a, a season? Well, we've done it for two seasons, over 46 games in the Championship, throwing in your cup games as well on top of that, uh, with a small squad. We now have a bigger squad and less games. You know, these some of these individuals, like Matthias Click made 92 consecutive appearances. Jack Harrison's made 50. You know, they, they're just... I don't know what it is, these murder ball sessions that he does, but they are, they'll are they go to the last minute of every game. And I just think, like, I fancy us to be Fulham. Sheffield United will be an interesting one. Then we've got City, but I think we'll be all right. And I think we'll take a few scalps along the way, you know? Like, when you, there's... If you come Ellen Road and if there's fans in, it's a totally different ball game if there's fans in as well. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I think hopefully we can get fans back in because that's where we'll pull a few scalps at Ellen Road when we get that team across the Pennines, etc. you know, Ellen Road. So, yeah, I think we'll be fine. Um, as for the other two, I've said to you, you know, I just don't really rate them. They've still got championship squads, um, in my opinion, you know. Um, like Tim Ream at centre-back, for example, for Fulham, he's the same centre-back they had when they were up before and he was shocking then and he's shocking now, you know. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, they just... Uh, they're happy it's difficult, to be... isn't it? It's so early. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, that's the problem. Saying, yeah. It's so oh. early. I know it is so early, but it was the manner in which West Brom and Fulham were playing, you know, mm. that that would worry me. If they weren't out and they were defensive and, and they just got unlucky, you go, listen, they're trying something. It was the manner that they were playing that 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 just screamed at me, look, what is going on here? But listen, we could all be completely wrong and Leeds, mm. West Brom and, and um, Leeds, West Brom, I keep forgetting the other team. Um <laughs> Fulham, um, they could end up being in the Europa League spots the whole lot of them by the end of the season, and we'd all look like fucking idiots. Um, so that's oh, just well. the way it goes. Oh, that, oh well, <laughs> what can you do? Um, used to it, mate. Used to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm very used to it. Um, but look, so it's, it's, 
<laughs> Mick saying nothing, look. Mick is saying nothing. He's like, no, I'm not going along with that. Um, but lads, listen, I've kept this um, longer than I, I should have and, and I appreciate the time you've given us. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, Jay or Mick, when you just take it away, where we can we find Copy Podcast, you know, social media, stuff like that? Uh, Mick is going to take it, I presume. Go. Go ahead, Mick. So you can find us on Twitter at the Copite Off or you can have a little look on our YouTube channel, which we didn't really start that long ago. We were more we started off on like Spotify and Apple and then we ventured over to YouTube in was it February, Jay, late February, just before lockdown started. Mm. So we got about two videos out and then lockdown kicked in. So we have to obviously start in video video uh, interviews and stuff like that. But yeah, the Copite podcast on YouTube, if you don't want to go and give us a little check out a few of our videos out. We've had a few like yeah. Jay, we've had a few Last two videos we've done about leads, the leads preview, the leads review. Uh, review, sorry, we uh, the, inter- the interactions we have with leads fans was just unbelievable. It blew me mind. Like just positive comments all the way, and just loved it. So, if we can get a few more of them this season. I'll I'll be an happy man. Absolutely, yeah. mate. I just uh, just quickly, Gab. Sorry. Yeah. One of the, yeah, one, no. of the one of the comments there is uh, Egan Etho has just said, "Is that the bloke who said no one who knew Tiago was until he was like with us?" I tell you, that's going to haunt me forever. That it's so funny. <laughs> It was so funny. It's, it's, it's totally taken out of context. And I love the fact that someone's mentioned it on here, mate. So, nice one, Egan Etho, lad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go. You see? You've got to remember all face, lad. That's it. Just yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. called all sorts for that. But it was well, it's totally taken out of context. It was aimed at the FIFA generation who don't who just want... They were, the guys who were giving Gina and Alden all the abuse for it and just for the sake of getting Tiago. And I was just saying that. It's... There's lots of people who play FIFA and don't don't know who he is, and oh uh, yeah, hard with the rest of my days that. But nice one, Egan Ethel, lad. I'm glad it will. <laughs> I'm kind of glad it will. Um, sure, why not? You know what I mean. Uh, we can all have a laugh about it. Absolutely. But listen, um, I, I back up everything Mick says. Um, go to the go to the Cowboy Podcast on YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe, hit the bell icon when they go live. You'll you'll know about it. The same with All Leeds TV. But Joe, All Leeds TV, hit us with the information. Yeah, I mean, just YouTube, like the lads have said, uh, previews, reviews. Um, we do a few live streams as well, just like you guys getting people's comments in and stuff. Watch-alongs for the games. Um, yeah, just as much as possible, really. We're trying to do more and more. Um, so, yeah, just head on over, check us out, please. It'd be greatly appreciated, man. Good. And you see, the thing is, people people look at, like, say, Air Channel, right, or, or the Copy, or all Leeds TV, and they think, oh, well, that's just Leeds, and that's just Liverpool. It's actually not. If you actually mm-hmm. go and watch a lot of, and listen, even, you know, Arsenal Fan TV, or, um, you know, Mark Goldbridge, or whoever it might be, they actually do a lot on their own clubs, but you'll find when the season is on, they're doing a hell of a lot of stuff about other clubs, because you have to, because clubs are playing clubs. That's how football works. So you actually get a lot of content that is based around could be your club it could be the Premier League it could be the Champions League it could be the Europa League that's how these channels work you have to go with what's happening on a day to day basis so if you subscribe to if you're a Liverpool fan you're obviously going to subscribe to Liverpool stuff but always watch out for these channels because you know if you subscribe to them and all of a sudden it comes up and all Leeds TV are doing I don't know the best 10 Leeds players of all time and there might be a couple that play for Liverpool at the same time so it's good to subscribe to all these things because you can get videos that interest you even though you might be a Leeds fan or a Liverpool fan or an Arsenal fan you could be a Man United fan but all these things you do get content from these channels that will interest not only your own club but clubs all around the country Europe anywhere so it's it's important that 
and I find it important when I bring people on from the likes of Liverpool fan channels, Leeds fan channels, we're going to try every club this season. We're going to try to find someone from every single club this season. And I'd urge, no matter who comes on this season, go and subscribe to them because I listen to stuff that has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? But I listen to it because it can be interesting. I like hearing about Everton because I, you know, they're not that good up until last Sunday or Monday or whatever day they played. <laughs> but... I like listening to how they're going to get out of it. I like to hear how their how their fans talk about it. I mention across the park podcast because it's three reds and three blues, and they're really good at what they do. And listening to them talking about the problems that they have and how they should fix it is actually as interesting as talking about Liverpool someday. So that's the way it goes. But listen, it's been a brilliant chat. Um, I've enjoyed every single minute of it. The topics have been great. The comments coming in have been great. We've had Leeds yeah. fans, Liverpool fans, Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans. They've all been in tonight and it's been amazing. I'd like to finally again thank Mick, thank Jay and thank Joe. Um, today is Wednesday. We're back tomorrow with our Transfer Agenda show and Friday we will have your Friday forecast for the weekend's Premier League football. It's been really good. I've enjoyed it. Over and out. I have been fed, that's a fact I have been fed, that's a fact My credit card purchases get me cash back My credit card purchases get me cash back No one else gets these rewards Sergeant, that is just plain untrue What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members Anyone can get cash back on all purchases Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song PenFed Credit Union Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash To receive any advertised product You must become a member of PenFed Insured by NCUA I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sports Social Podcast Network.